All right, everybody. Welcome back to We Dig Tennessee. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Uh, last on last week's episode, we heard from Commissioner Clay Bright. Uh, you know, he's the runs T dot for the state, and uh, he had some interesting things to say uh, as far as you know traffic and work zones work zones during COVID. And I, I found it interesting that we're having more accidents in work zones now with lighter traffic than we were in peak traffic before COVID. So we wanted to follow up with a guest to, um, you know, kind of shed some light on what we can do to keep our guys safe and make sure that the, everything's, you know, the way it needs to be when we're in these work zones and, and everybody has the best opportunity to go home to their family. So with that guys, it's my pleasure to bring on uh, Jack bird from Solarin risk management. Jack, how you doing, man? I'm better than I deserve. Thanks for having us. Oh, we're happy to have you, man. And and I know Solarin does a great job on the traffic control side of things. I know, uh, you know, you guys did some great training for us at Team Construction. And, and so I'm happy to kind of put you guys in front of the Nuka family and, and let you kind of share your expertise with them. Uh, so with that, man, if you don't mind, maybe uh, just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from and how you came to doing what you're doing today. Absolutely. Um, again, thanks for having us. And any, any chance we get to come out and kind of talk about it and do some awareness, we love that opportunity. So thanks for having us on. Um, my name is Jack Bird. I'm the CEO of Solarian Risk Management. We're headquartered here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, my background is law enforcement. I've been in law enforcement now, still in law enforcement part-time. But when I started this company, it's because there wasn't a good nexus between the public and private sector for law enforcement to really get involved and, and have all those benefits of coming out and directing traffic and doing work zone safety. Uh, something, ironically enough, the police academy doesn't teach you. You don't get a copy of the MUTCD. You don't get trained on directing traffic, uh, which seems like something that maybe we probably need to add in there. But I realized that there was a need for that nexus and I realized there was a need for that training. And then that led us into this. And here we are today with over 300 employees and operating in a couple of states in the southeastern U.S. Um, Nashville's home. Love it. Been here my whole life. Don't ever plan on leaving. So uh, we really kind of I began this um, as, a, as a truly selfish endeavor because I just wanted side work was safe where we had insurance and we had training and we had everything we needed to go out and make extra income as police officers. But then it kept growing and growing and growing. And I realized, you know, maybe there was a better opportunity in the private sector than the public sector. So that led to Solarin. Wow. That, that's, that's awesome. Um, well, first of all, thank you for your service to our community. That, that means a lot to me and to, to everybody that's a part of this chapter. I know we really appreciate all that law enforcement does for us. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised that uh you guys don't learn the MUTCD since you you know it's always the officers out there doing traffic control after for big sporting events and all that kind of stuff. So that, that kind of surprised me. Yeah, I, you know it's it's a thing that police officers you don't ever get the MUTCD. You don't you don't focus on any of that, and you don't ever get trained on how to direct traffic or to do intermittent traffic control or even work zone safety. Certain states have even had to go as far as a. a VDOT is a good example where they actually require law enforcement officers working inside of any work zone. They actually have to go through a VDOT class uh, to make them aware of what the MUTCD says. So there's, there's not a good corollary sometimes between that, that public sector component where the, the old school mentality of we'll have to come out here, we'll turn on our lights and we'll sit in the car and, you know, that's work zone safety. You know, that, that's not what work zone safety is. That's not what we're about. That's not what we promote. Um, 
and so now with some of the awareness that, that we're pushing, like many others, we're trying to get buy-in from local law enforcement and, you know, other companies, all the clients that are hiring traffic control to, you know, put, make that push. Just don't, don't hire just a police officer, hire someone, hire a company that is invested in making sure they understand the why. Everyone needs to understand why we do something. So understand why those warning signs, why transitional signs are required or what a taper is. And when everyone is on the same page, it just makes everything run so much smoother. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the why is a huge part of it and that not enough people take the time to explain. So you're, you're absolutely right on that. Uh, so, man, I guess with that, we'll kind of we'll kind of jump into it. Um, I, I'm I, I hope you listened last week with Commissioner Bright um, and he, he was talking about the increase of accidents in work zones um, during COVID, which which kind of took me by surprise. Uh, so I guess in, in your experience, is there any reason or anything you can put to reason that would explain why with less traffic, we're having more work zone incidents? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I did listen to Commissioner Bright and I, I get the, uh, the quarterly report as well. And I, I look at it and I look at ComStats, which is a, a Metro Nashville specific thing. We look at our, our crash data and stuff. Um, one of the, the, the reasons I guess I would hypothesize that this is there was in the immediacy of the pandemic, there was like this outpouring of, of, well, now's the time to work on the roads. Now's the time to do this. Well, now's the time to do that. Everyone had these, these ideas. There's less traffic on the road. So let's just go out and do all the construction we can while they're, while we're shut down. And that led to an increase in permits. Like if you were to look at all the permitting processes, how many new ones have been requested, they, they're increasing so much. We've got a lot more work zone projects going on because everyone kind of bought into the idea that now's the time to get it done. Also, the, the fact is we're coming into the summer months, which heavier construction, you know, it, it's a it's kind of a, a seasonal thing. We all know that that's when a lot more construction projects take place. Anyone in the business knows that. And, uh, you know, it, it came right about as we were hitting spring and then here we are full pandemic and full construction season. But really, uh, I think the effects is, is what else I would point to the ideology that there's less people on the road so I can go faster is a fallacy. It's a, it's a huge fallacy. Um, you know, there's not as much traffic, especially as you get around metropolitan areas. Uh, I, I read a, a very interesting statement the other day that I, I'm, I, I'm mind blown by this because it's so much higher. If you look at Seattle, Seattle's seeing 33% increase in work zone accidents. I mean, they're, they're seeing a third more accidents in work zones right now. Um, and of that, they're seeing a 50% raise in fatality, which, you know, we all know wow. that one contributing factor is speed. Um, now there's a lot of other things going on that, I, you know, social wise that are going on there where people are in the, in the roadways and stuff. But I, I don't think that that's really what they're pointing to when they say those statistics. I want to make sure that I qualify that statement. But, you know, you also have some other things where people are deferring from public transportation uh, in, in, a, in a world where social distancing is now a new norm and you're, you're more conscientious of it. A lot of people who used public transportation, like here in Nashville, we had the Music City Star, the National Star. Uh, you have a lot of people who are opting out of that because they want to be isolated or, you know, away from other people. Uh, that's, that's definitely got something to do with it. And then we're stretching emergency services really thin. Um, you know, as far as the enforcement effort goes, officer safety is a definitely a big concern. But, you know, nationally, we have a shortage of police officers right now. 
So traffic enforcement or proactive enforcement measures are way down. So that's a, that's definitely another thing that's, that's really hurting us is we're not out there like we would normally this time of the year, we're doing a campaign in Tennessee called 100 days of summer heat where we're doing solely focusing on traffic enforcement efforts. Uh, it's a grant funded project through the governor's highway safety office. Uh, that, uh, that project is canceled this year. So you, you've got a, a decrease in enforcement. You've got a decrease in traffic on the road. And now the ideology that there's no traffic so I can go faster has kind of created a perfect storm. Yeah. I, I didn't even, I didn't even consider that the you know decrease in, in officers out there right now with everything going on or even the people deferring away from public transportation. But yeah, that you're absolutely right with people wanting to social distance and not be coming in contact with surfaces you know commonly used surfaces where the virus could be spread that sort of stuff that makes a lot of sense yeah it's uh it's 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 that and you know i'll also say this and luckily we're fortunate enough to partner with enough really good community partners and clients uh, that we haven't had this experience. Um, and I know you guys at team are, are kind of a benchmark setter when it comes to safety. So I really appreciate the opportunity to, to deal with clients like that of that caliber. But some of my other associates in this business are seeing clients because it is hard economic times. They're deferring altogether from traffic control and they're they're kind of skipping around it because there is less traffic on the road. So there there is that kind of ideology of skirting you know, while you can, and man, of all the things to skirt safety and uh, traffic control safety, especially is, is something you don't want to skirt. So. No, absolutely. Traffic control is the first line of defense against, you know, the motoring public for our guys, you know, that's, uh, you know, cause when they're out there working, they're not paying attention to the cars passing them and stuff like that. So traffic control is absolutely essential to keeping our workers safe. So that's a, uh, but I, again, I'd have to say, you're probably right. I, I feel like I've driven down the road and seen some work zones and I've, just looked at him and thought that 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 doesn't look right to me. That looks like that could be a problem. Yeah, it's a uh, unfortunately it's a it's a reality we're in, and I you know I'm I'm not no different than anyone else. I understand the pandemic is hard. Um, it's it's hard economically. It's hard financially, and I I, I understand it. That just just because I understand it doesn't mean I agree with it. And I think that you know that sentiment is probably shared by many. But right now they're trying to find a way to keep people employed, and they're they're you know, soaking those resources back up. And there's something else that we've seen an increase in is when we pass work zones, we're seeing more and more companies try to internalize uh, traffic control. And that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that uh, if you can do it the right way and do it safely and follow the mm -hmm. MD, um, you know. And so, but but with that being said, a lot of people found other people jobs internally as, as opposed to laying them off. So they've conscripted is, is probably a good word. Uh, they've conscripted internally folks who may have done one function into a traffic control function. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. And what you what you said there was key is if there's nothing wrong with that, as long as you can do it correctly and hold the same safety standards, because that's, that's what it's about is, is holding those same safety standards. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So I guess in your, in your expertise, what are some, tips or tricks or things that that guys in our industry that are out there laying pipe every day and working on the sides of the roads could do to help make sure that we're keeping each other safe um you know a, a couple of things and these, some of these are going to seem really obvious uh and and i don't i would i'd be reminiscent if i didn't at least say them uh with traffic control tennessee has, has really evolved in a lot of ways and we're we're definitely making a lot of headway uh, some metropolitan, some municipalities have different requirements as far as what is and isn't required. 
Um, really, one of the biggest pushes that I, I think we need is a standardized uh, certification process where people get the same training, and that should all be centered around the MUTCD. Uh, this year, there was many hopes. We haven't had an MUTCD in 11 years, an updated version of it. There was a lot of hopes, a lot of talk. NHTSA was saying that they were going to send it. ATSA was lobbying for it. And, uh, you know, there really was kind of this whole thought that that was coming out because there's a lot of questions that are being asked. But really, my, my recommendation is, is making sure whatever traffic control provider you use is using some type of training that is accredited because that guarantees not only their understanding with it, but it also protects you guys, the end user here, you know, in the event that there is any kind of accident, which of course is our, our, our last hope, that's what we're here to mitigate, but that that person has received that training, insurance goes down, and a lot of places won't cover it unless they have received that type of training. So first things first, making sure the people that you're using uh, are trained and are qualified to do it. Uh, ATSA, is the American Traffic Safety Services Association. That's kind of the gold standard. That's who we use. You have a couple others. I mean, you have the uh, National Safety Institute, you have uh, TLT, and you have a couple of other ones that really will offer a flagger certification course or an MUTCD uh, technician course on how to lay out the advanced warning signs and do stuff like that. Those are all, they should all be requirements. At this point, Tennessee hasn't formally came down and said that there's a standardized training requirement. So you can literally pull anyone in and make them a flagger and, you know, just hand them an MUTCD and say, here, you know, go forth. Uh, that's, that's some definitely some things where we have some room to grow and, and work on, but that would definitely be my first recommendation is who you hire. Um, some other things that I, I would definitely point out is when you do advanced warning signs or transitional signage in work zones, uh, you know, the MUTCD kind of gives you a, a, a Bible per se of here, here's the feet, here's the speed, here's, here's what you're doing. This is the type of facility that you're working on. And, uh, you know, it, it's really simple. Uh, this is, this is where they go. It's just making sure that you are following all of your advanced warning sign requirements, the, the distances that they're supposed to be at, uh, making sure that your vendor, whoever's doing your traffic control, or if you're doing it yourself, that you guys are doing that. The advanced warning signs are kind of a pain. I get it. You know, you got to drive out and put them up and then come back and lay out the cones. And it, it's definitely the most dangerous part of the process because you there is no taper. There is no uh, physical barrier per se between you and the traffic. So it's a, it's a risky part, but it's making sure you don't skip that quintessential part. And that's getting that transitional signage out. The MUTCD does allow for uh, you, you a, a roadmap per se of this is how it's supposed to be laid out. This is where it sets what's known as a minimum standard. Um, and of course, there's some reason that comes in with this that you may not want to go two miles out and put your advanced warning signs two miles out, you know, but you definitely just because it says that your signs are supposed to be 300 yards or 300 feet in front of you uh, or behind you rather you know, doesn't mean you can't go 400 or 500, especially if you're, if you're seeing something on the ground, you can always increase that minimum standard. You can always go above it uh, within reason, of course. So that's definitely another good tip that I would use. And there's also nothing that says that you can't use the same sign. You, you can't add more 
warning signs, especially when it comes to advanced warning. Everyone here has, has seen one lane road ahead or construction ahead, lane closed, or, you know, that, that standardized language that you see on all the, all the signage for temporary work zones or even uh, permanent work zones or more, more permanent work zones, not temporary, longer than three days. And so you can absolutely add more signage. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, absolutely. You can also increase the size. You know, the, the MTCD spells out pretty clearly the size of sign that's supposed to be used on the, dependent upon the type of speed so that way motorists can see it. Um, definitely something that you may want to consider if you're having problems there. You can add the, the larger sign that's designed for a bigger speed zone as long as it's safely out of the way of the roadway. That way, there's no question they see it because, you know, you, you know like I do, this posted speed limit may very well be 45 miles an hour, but that doesn't mean that traffic is not traveling at 60 or 65 miles an hour in some cases, uh, you know, and it's, it's pretty common that you've got the, the people that adopt the rule of they don't write tickets for under 10 or 15 miles an hour over. So the speed limit yeah. then becomes, I can go this fast and get away with it. Uh, yeah. Again, point star enforcement efforts right now are kind of down anyhow, but uh, just another good tip there is, Hey, you may have the, the 36 inch signs, but there's nothing that says that you can't use the, the 42s or 48s rather. Um, it, it's just something that we've done in certain places where uh, Briley Parkway here in Nashville is a prime example. You know, we, we definitely have parts of Briley Parkway that are 35 miles per hour speed zones. Uh, as they're transitioning over, you might want to consider putting a bigger sign. I understand that it's 35, but it quickly goes to 55, which to some motorists, unfortunately, translates to 70. I don't know where they went, to, where they got their math at, but. Uh, yeah, I've seen them out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and definitely another one of our, our, our favorites, in, and it's useful, is uh, 28-inch cones versus 36-inch cones. Uh, MUTCD provides guidance on this that, 28 inch or even TDOT has it spelled out what they require. Um, most of your metropolitans that have anything point of traffic control have it spelled out specifically what they require. The, the minimum standard there is always going to be the 28 inch double reflective banded cones. Uh, they're retro reflective and you can always exceed that. I mean, you can always order the 36 inch reflective bands. They're, they're larger, they're taller. Uh, they can be seen a lot further. I mean, they're, they're definitely bigger and, uh, Nothing wrong with that. ANSI standards is another thing. You never have to worry about exceeding the, the ANSI classification of your PPE. Uh, right now, most places are requiring ANSI class two. You have some clients, you have some contractors that don't mind exceeding that standard and going to ANSI class three, which basically what this is pointing to is just the surface area of the retro reflective material that is on the uh, clothing or on the PPE itself. So nothing wrong with that. Uh, I absolutely would rather spend for like our, our traffic control, our, our standard issue is a class two vest, but anytime we do night projects now, we automatically default to class three. We just, we would rather have it out there. Yeah. I think more visibility, the better in, in, in all of that. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, if you want to go with bigger signs, put more signs, that is always a good idea. Now I did have one question for you. I'm going to backtrack a little bit on you. Um, we, we had, um, a gentleman from TDOT come to us one time and tell us he wasn't happy with the way contractors were doing their traffic control. So I said, that's perfect. We set up a, a speaking engagement. He came and spoke directly to the group uh, of NUCA and, and kind of laid out what he would prefer to see and stuff like that. And 
one of the things on the signs was he said if you're going to have signs that say 1500 feet 500 feet you know ahead you know whatever to have those as close to possible as what the sign says because it, it does you no good to have them misplaced so if you're putting advanced warning signs out further would it be a best practice that they don't have the the footage or, or whatever on them uh, absolutely absolutely that's a very good question i should have clarified that the only time that you're going to see unless it's a municipality requirement specific the only time you're going to see a footage requirement on those signs is going to be a, a facility that is traveling above the 55 mile per hour that's the only time that you're going to see that requirement per the mutcd and with that you should absolutely try to be as close as you can to that without exceeding it because that tells the motorist that you're approaching this a lot faster when I, I specifically talk about adding more or maybe pushing them further out, uh, on most of your temporary traffic control projects, there's a, a three sign minimum that goes out uh, on a lane closure or on a, a traffic control operation each direction. There's a, a three sign minimum that would go out. Number one would be would be the warning that there there is a uh, construction zone here. Number two would be the lane closes ahead, and then number three is going to be a symbolic picture, so either a flagger if it's a flagging operation or a lane shift if it's a, a lane closure. And those are going to be your standard three that are required, and as far as the MUTCD goes, they lay it out pretty pretty clearly. You know, this is where they need to be. Uh, in, in most of the work here in Metro Nashville, for example, you're going to have sign spacing at 100 feet. Uh, for urban low speed, urban high speed, 350, rural, 500. And then if you were to look at even the MUTCD's own, MUTCD's own graph, any type of facility that exceeds that, that 55 mile per hour, you're going to have to refer to the specific footage uh, required for the type of facility that it is. Uh, Multi-lane divided or all those things come into play then along with the speed that it's posted at. So when when you when you get to the point you're laying out footage you should absolutely stay as close as you can but in in the type of work for example that team does where you guys are predominantly uh just encountering lane closures or flagging operations and things like that there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with adding an additional sign or even moving those back a little bit team primarily i, I would and you correct me if i'm wrong primarily would operate inside the urban low or the urban high speed and under that 45 mile per hour, most roads in Davidson County are going to be under the urban high speed mark, um, especially where you guys are going to be at. And I'm not saying you don't don't go out onto to rural roads where they're higher speed or stuff like that. But when you you get to that point, uh, you can absolutely move those out if if the 300 is not good enough there or if you're in a in a downtown setting you can add more if there's a lot of streets in between where people may not have seen the early warning signs there's nothing wrong with adding additional signage to it okay yeah that makes that makes perfect sense um well man that was a that was a lot of information i really appreciate that <laughs> sorry i'm throwing a lot at you it's it's uh it's it's we've had a lot of calls lately about it uh we've had a lot of questions about it and we're more than glad to to offer any help that we can but yeah, no, no, that was a ton of information and it was fantastic. It was great information. And I think that anybody listening can, can take that and make great use of it. Uh, you know, and a lot of it just comes down to planning, you know, planning ahead and making sure you're, you're working with certified people or your people are certified and they, they know what to look for and what they're doing. And, and, it's, uh, you know, like I said, that was just, that was just fantastic information. We really appreciate that. Absolutely. The, um, 
One other thing I wanted to touch on with you before we wrap up now that school is back in session and I know with COVID, some things are looking a little different and, and some buses are running, some buses aren't, some areas are going to be more kids walking to school. It's just maybe some basic school zone safety for, for us as motorists and even for the general public so that we're keeping all these kids trying to get to school safe. Absolutely. Uh, the, the schedules right now are a little weird with the school zones. Uh, some days they're running, some days they're not. And that, and that type of inconsistency is, is leading motorists to not be able to, to plan it the way that they normally did, you know, where you knew that, okay, school starts at this day, this time every day, and then this is the school zone. Whereas now, if you don't have a kid in school and you don't know what day this class is or what day this school is going or, or where it is, you know, you kind of have some wonders there. So, and all that is becoming a process in which we're just now really getting into figuring out. You know, with anything with school zones, uh, Tennessee, like many other states, we have adopted laws specific uh, to traffic in the school zone. Um, and, and we continually evolve those laws. I, I mean, even as recently as last year, the legislature passed another, another law to uh, Tennessee code basically outlawing the use of, of cell phones. Um, a specific Before the a statewide cell phone ban came into play, they actually wrote it in as a Class C misdemeanor to be on your phone, to have your phone out and to be on any type of non-hands-free device while in the school zone now is, is an automatic. I mean, you're, you're going to get a citation for it. Um, wow. I, I didn't even know that. I, I knew Tennessee was hands-free now and all that, but I did not know that it was a stiffer uh, penalty or... or um fine or misdemeanor there for for when you're in a school zone so i'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that definitely slipped under my radar yeah uh for anyone listening and any that's interested in it is tca 55 820 and uh, it would be part two section r uh, it would spell it out for you um it just basically def- it defines what hands-free devices are it defines what a mobile phone is because apparently there was some questions about that uh, the legislature went ahead and took the proactive measure to address but uh, it also spells out exemptions you know for emergency services worker but it's a it's a $50 fine now but the the other problem is and and the part that i think will lead to a lot of uh, folks hopefully heeding this law is going to be it's a mandatory appearance uh, it, it's something that you now have to appear in in court um, you cannot just pay the fine. Uh, in, in most municipalities, that is the case. Now, there have been some metropolitans that have it where it would go to general sessions and you can just pay the fine. But uh, most cases, you're going to have to appear, uh, which is inconvenient, but you shouldn't be on your phone in a school zone. Yeah, I mean, when it, the whole idea of a school zone is to keep the you know youngsters trying to get to school safe. And if you're uh, intentionally dis- disobeying the law in a school zone, then, yeah, it's a... Uh... I think you can accept the inconvenience. Absolutely. Um, you know, we uh, another thing as far as the school zone goes that, that we're we're seeing is again school zones are one of those areas that have there there are children. They've always been near and dear to, to the community, so we've always placed the resources that we had available said with law enforcement uh, in the school zones. That's a thing that's pretty common. You see police officers around school zones when they're in operation, and right now with the shortages that we're experiencing. Um, it's, it's definitely something that I think that we're, we're trying to figure out the best way to address, uh, with the adjusted schedules. I know, for example, um, in, in Robertson County, we have made specific, uh, considerations to that and addressed it specifically on the municipal level, as well as the county level, uh, where jurisdictions that may not normally 
uh, address that because typically this is something done. All schools here have SROs, school resource officers. Uh, now you've got city police departments that are chipping in and helping out trying to do the school zone enforcement. But really the, the best measure that we can get is just everyone to stay off their phones and pay attention and be mindful of all the warning signs that's going on and try to be cognizant of other drivers and uh, don't buy into that fallacy that just because there's less people on the road that you can go faster. Absolutely. Especially in a school zone, guys, when, when the, when the, the school zone speed limit is posted at 15, go 15 and under. Don't be trying to hurry along at 20 miles an hour, hoping to slip in front of the school bus or get past a crossing guard real fast. Let's, let's, Let's just do everything we can to keep those kids safe while they're trying to get to school. Don't be running around school buses when the stop sign comes out. Um, and one, Jack, I got a question for you that has been, uh, I've seen, I guess I've never really had a clear answer on it, is if you're on a four-lane highway and the school bus puts a stop sign out, all four lanes have to stop, do they not? That is correct. That okay. is correct. Any anytime, uh, the only time that you would, a, a non-divided four-lane highway would you would absolutely have to stop if there was a, a median divider in it of some type even if it's a grass median non-barrier median things like that you would not stop um, but anything where the child could be potentially being let off and could it be anticipated to travel in front of the bus to go to that to that left or right side of the road uh, that's when you would need to stop. A school bus is not going to stop on the side that they're not on on a divided route because obviously the child wouldn't be able to get in. So uh, an example that I would definitely want to point to, again, is Browley Parkway where you have, where it narrows down at certain places, but it's still four lanes and it's still a divided highway. You're never going to see a school bus stop there. Uh, and it is inconvenient being behind them, I get it. But of all the things for us to hold uh, at that kind of forefront of our, our thought when it comes to safety is going to be our, our kids. It's going to be our school's own safety. Um, it's definitely something that even in a pandemic, law enforcement is trying to find ways to address that safety and be proactive in its nature. The uh, and, and a lot of the focus of this conversation has been on the, on the buses, and, and that's absolutely something I think worth focusing on. But something else that needs to be said, a lot of parents out of fear are not going to let their kids travel on the bus. So being more mindful that now during the school zones in the pandemic, you're going to have a lot more personal vehicles. You're going to have a whole lot more traffic per se. It may be less because you think when you have 50 or 60 kids on a bus and now you only have a fraction of that because parents don't want them using that form of transportation because of the coronavirus, you're going to increase by however many households that, that now are taking their kids on their own. So we are seeing something there with backup. Uh, and I can tell you that right now. I've, I've had the pleasure of, of having this discussion before it came to our county. Other counties that have had their schools already return in session, they're saying, yeah, we're seeing this a lot more where we've got a traffic backup that we've never had before. Um, and, and that's definitely something to be mindful of right now is the school zone that you may have always anticipated got slow here or at this point uh, in your morning commute or evening commute. Uh, it may very well have extended well beyond that. And uh, I think that's definitely something to be cognizant of. Yep, you're absolutely right. And, and another thing to, to keep in mind, guys, is is there's likely to be more children walking to school now. Uh, you know, so so keep an eye out for kids walking down the sides of roads or, you know, approaching school zones and crossing guards and all that. I mean, most of the time, if you're working in the metropolitan area, you've got to have a permit. They're not going to allow you to work while the school zone's 
active, but I encountered a situation last year where they were just letting us work right on through the, the school zone times. And it was, so it adds an extra, an extra layer of things you're not used to on your job site with kids walking through a work zone. That's also a school zone. So just, just be mindful of, of, like Jack said, the, the increased traffic due to people not using buses and even more kids walking to school. I, uh, you mentioned something very, very valuable there too, that I, I feel like I left out on, but based on recent conversations, we probably need to, to say something. Um, I had the, the pleasure of talking with Rory Rowan or, and, and Tim uh, Ross at TDOT, both Rory with Metro Nashville and Tim at TDOT. We get to talk frequently and, in, a, in some of our discussions about permitting specifically, that's another thing that you're seeing. You're seeing a lot of contractors go out here right now and attempt to operate without permits. And now is not the time. Uh, it is it is a bad time for that because there is less traffic on the road. And, and that is absolutely, I, I understand their ideology of now is the time to go out and do it and I can get away with it. But just be careful because insurance companies, most of them won't cover you unless you have a permit uh, if an accident occurs. And it doesn't matter what training you've had or anything like that. If you didn't have the right from the municipality or the state or the county to be there, whatever permit was required, just make sure. I know it's sometimes a tedious process and you have to get the planning right, but just make sure you get that done. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and, and that's the key to safety in general is making sure you've got all your ducks in a row and you're doing it the way you're supposed to be doing it. And that's what's going to help keep us all safe. All right, uh, Jack, man, I, I really appreciate you joining us and, and shedding some of your expertise. And again, thank you for your service to our community. I know law enforcement means a lot to us and to what we do. So we can't thank you enough for that. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime we can help. And I'd be glad to, you can share my information or I can give you my information on here and uh, if you'd like to put it out, anyone that has any questions about work zone safety or any, anything that we can do to help, uh, be glad to. We have a list of ATSA approved traffic control companies, ATSA people who use ATSA training. Uh, be glad to send that out. Anything, anyone that has any questions, though, or especially when it comes to safety, we don't charge for that. We're, we're more than happy at any point to answer those questions. Jack, what I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll add y'all's uh, website to the show notes of, uh, of this podcast. So if anybody that's listening wants to talk with Jack and them, just scroll on down to the show notes and click on the link to the website, and you'll be able to find all their contact info right there. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jack. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Have a good day. All right, guys. Uh, Jack's left the recording, uh, so I just want to say another huge thank you to Jack Bird and his team over at Solarin Risk Management for joining us and shedding a lot of good information and light on on some issues out there um so again thank you guys and, and jack and his team do a lot more than traffic control at Solarin risk management so i recommend you jump on down to the show notes and click on their website and and check them out because they offer a lot of really cool really interesting things um with that guys um some chapter news uh we just had a um board meeting uh, this past week and we're hoping to get a couple board members together and do a recap of the board meeting uh, in the podcast to let you guys know what's going on out there um, we are revitalizing our each one reach one membership contest um, and you'll be hearing about that very soon coming up uh, you should be getting a, a kickoff email or should have gotten that from from Heather uh, talking about how we're going to be handling that moving forward um, we're, we're working on planning some virtual events, uh, probably to finish up this year or at least get us 
through when it's um, safe to to be around one another again. Um, and I hope Heather doesn't get mad at me for jumping the gun, but I'm hoping our first one's going to be the safety roundtable. So anybody that's a safety professional or your company has an interest in in learning more about how we can help each other in safety, be on the lookout for that. You know, one of our big things at Nuka is everybody shares safety. It's everybody's goal to be safe. So we're going to do our best to share what works for everyone, find out what's not working, what people struggle with. We're going to, we're going to try and help each other figure out ways to do everything better and safer. Um, DC Summit is coming up in uh, uh, September, and we have uh, registrations now open. Um, it's free and there's no travel required and it's going to be virtual this year. So, uh, there's no reason not to be there and attend and add to the voice of us representing our industry, our companies, our areas, and talking with the legislators of the areas from where you live and from where your businesses are placed. You know, if we want these legislators to take into account our industry when they're putting up new legislation, we need to get our voice in front of them. And so we're going to have that opportunity coming up. Uh, that that more info about that is included in every weekly email. So click on those links that Heather includes, and and, and if you have any trouble getting uh, signed up, reach out to Heather, and she'll she'll help you get signed up to, on that as well. Uh, let's remember for all new newer members if we, that we recruit right now, it's half off dues. So let's uh, let's spread the word. Let's get some more people coming in, grow the voice, their strength in numbers, in in what we're trying to say. Um and. <clears throat> preliminary um, info on the December event this year. Our December holiday reception is going to be December 5th from 5 to 8 at Nashville Golf and Athletic Club. Uh, this year we're opening it up to spouses. You know, we want to have a nice little evening, uh, cocktail party, can have a little music, and, and have a little fun. Uh, so we're looking forward to seeing you guys there for that. All right, guys, um, with that, you know, I know I just kind of covered a lot of chapter news real quick. So just keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes on those weekly emails. Uh, when Heather sends something out, let's get involved because she's doing a great job trying to keep everybody in the know on what's going on in the chapter. Um, as always, if you're a new member and you want to come on the podcast and just you know let the member let everybody else know who you are, what you're about, what you do, um, let me know. Happy to have you. We hopefully we'll have a couple of those coming up here. We've got a couple new members that we've brought in recently that want to come on and talk and. It's a great way just to let people know who you are uh, since we can't get together right now. Um, still have two open seats on the board of directors for contractors. So if you're a contractor and you want to get involved in the leadership and, and decide where this chapter is headed uh, in a more direct way, reach out to us and let us know. Um, as always, guys, if there's anything you want to hear, any topics, if you listen to an episode and hear, think, man, I would like to hear some more details on that, uh, please reach out let me know. I'd be happy to look into making that happen. Uh, wherever you listen to us, go um, give us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. Leave us a review, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try to continue to put out good content. So uh, with that, guys, everybody stay safe out there. And keep digging Tennessee.